this is Anna speaking. And this is Jorge speaking, and you're listening to Literary Tea Podcast. This is the third episode of our second lit trilogy called Frozen Flowers. And today's episode is called Which Paths is Female Watership Walking to? And to join us in this discussion, we'd like to welcome our second special guest, Ana Paula Herculano. Ana Paula Herculano Barbosa is an English teacher that lives in Queimadas, Paraíba, northeast of Brazil. She studied high school at a federal institute and chose to follow her great passion in graduation, the study of literature. Therefore, her studies interest and research are directed to literary studies, female authorship, literature, and feminist theory. She was also a fellow at an academic research program, and she is a member of the English language technical scientific team of the academic journal Revista Letras Raras. So guys, it's a great pleasure staying with you to record this episode. I actually I'm a great fan of the, of your work here. I I think I stay like listening this podcast since like the first episode. So I'm really really happy to stay with you tonight. So, and like as a as a fan of this this work that you have been doing here. I have some questions about my personal curiosity about this. Is like and related to is that are related to the talk that we are going to discuss tonight. It is how if you guys read uh, female authors like the works that they do. Tell me a little bit about your experience with the female authors. Well, at least for me, um, I I have been reading more and more female authors since the last five years, for example. And uh, believe it or not, I think my professor Garibaldi, he was our professor in different moments of the undergraduation course, but apart from his classes and his methodologies and etc he presented some interesting and very influential influential um, female authors for me in the last years and every time i'm looking for a book to read a new book a new story to read and i when i look at the the title the the the, the genre, etc. I see first if it's a woman, and if it's a woman, I also look for information about her. Where is she from? Where, which country is this book from? What's the story of this female author? And for example, this year I've read more things about Chimamanda, which is a, a, a Nigerian author that I like very much and I'm trying to get to know her works more and more and she seems to not disappoint me at all because she's a very good writer and a very good storyteller. And Georgie, what about you? I, I think that I started to read more female authors also because of university. Uh, when I started to think about the fact that I have much more um, male authors 
amongst my bookshelves than women, women writers. And I think that uh, the first moment that I stopped and I, and I said to myself, okay, George, you, are, you, you read books written by men uh, that talk about women. You don't read, you're not reading uh, books written by women talking about themselves. Uh, I realized that when I read Madame Bovary by Flaubert, because uh, it is a very, it's a very interesting classical and uh, very moralist also at the same time. Uh, and I, it was the first moment that I stopped to think that, okay, Flaubert uh, portrays a, a woman as the protagonist of the novel, but uh, it is uh, his male perspective on her, his male, uh, his male historical cultural perspective about women, women condition in that society, and not the women perspective. Uh, even though he tries to, because he have access to her thoughts, to her actions, to her reflections, but it was a, a man at that time who wrote it, and also uh, in a very moralist sense when we come to the end of the book. So I think that that was the first moment, almost like a turning point for me to start thinking about reading uh, books written by women, especially because when I started to to see my bookshelves and, and notice that I had only a few books written by women. It's interesting how a single question can uh, move us in different ways. I've never thought about the books on my shelf, in my shelves actually, if they are written by women or men. Most of them are written by women or men, or my digital library and I agree with you Jorge just for now looking at my shelf here I have much more uh, male authors than female authors so Paulinha you've made a very provocative question just in the beginning I yes I think I thought about this because I Actually, I think that always talking about women is always a, a provocative something. So in that time, because, you know, George talked about Faubert, you talk about Chimamanda, someone that, like, I love her writer too. All her works, like her TED Talks is something that I, I'm really fond of. And she, uh, George says about Faubert that someone that I reminded me about the canon. And for a lot of years, we see in the canon just male authors. And nowadays, I think not nowadays, I think since the 60s and the 70s, we have like this, I think it's a movement called historical literary revisionism, that like women start to study women because they need to, they are sick for some female heritage in literary works. And it's something really important for, for us, I think, as society. And for me, like, you guys have a lot of talk about, like, the having in your shelves more males, sometimes male authors, works, so. But for me, it's like, I'm always, like, since my teenage years, I was fan of Jane Austen, like, in my 15, and I started to read her novels. And after that, I discovered all the others that, like the Bronte sisters, 
oh, this that in, now is in the canon, but something that happens, I think, in the last century. So it's really new. And in my shelves, I have a lot of these stories of women that always inspire me. I identify so much with Paula when she talks about uh, these these uh, female authors that previously they were not in the canon, like the like Austin and the Brontes, Mary Shelley as well. Because uh, I've always enjoyed their writings, especially the Brontë sisters. I'm a huge fan. Every, every, uh, each person who knows me knows that I am a huge fan of the Brontë sisters. And I think it's also an interesting topic to talk about, because if we take the Brontë sisters, for example, um, we have women, right? And we have white women writing literature. And I think it was only in college that I started to think or that I uh, became I became more eager to reflect upon the subject of, uh, okay, women in general had and have struggles to fight against the patriarchal society, the uh, this patriarchal way also of writing anyway, and, and to fight against the canon sometimes. But we also, I started to consider the differences between white women and black women, for example, who write. Uh, and I, uh, I, I, I was watching last week uh, an interview. Uh, yeah, it was a live, uh, a live interview that was broadcasted last year with Paulina Chiziani, and she is a, a Mozambican author. And she she talks about this that uh, women writers, black oh sorry, white women writers wrote about a about the colonies, the life, the lives of women in the colonies in the past. But even though they uh, had a sensitive uh, approach to these colonized people or to these colonized women in that time. Uh, they were not the colonized ones. I don't know if you get my point. And she was, and that she was trying to make this this point uh, this, uh, of us reflecting about this issue of people that were colonies, you know, that were colonized, especially women, to give their views on this reality. So even though, in the case of Paulina Chiziana, she's from Mozambique. So even though uh, white women wrote about them and were rather sensitive towards them. They were not the colonized ones. They were not the black ones, so they didn't go through everything that they that the black women had to go. So uh, that's uh, made me reflect a little bit more about this importance of um, setting. Uh, I'm not going to say boundaries, but setting these differences of even privileges of white women and black women in terms of their writing, in their cultural background that is transferred, that is mimetized in literature. It's very interesting for you to say this, Jorge, because it reminds me our uh, last episode from our last trilogy, in which we discussed with Rafael um, issues about some groups, some social groups, and how they are not heard or how they are heard 
in different times, different speeds, as privileged groups, for example. And I think your example is of this author, this interview, is it reflects exactly on this point. It's not a, uh, it's not a, a part of, of a white female writer, woman writer, to talk about what she haven't uh, experienced. She's not the colonized. She's not the immigrant, for example. If we think about the white woman as a, an European concept and etc. She's not the immigrant. She's not uh, discriminated. She's not a group that is was almost extinct like the Indians. She didn't suffer slavery, for example. And uh, it, it's, it, it's about exactly this. I think our, our experiences and where uh, we, where we talk, the place we talk, uh, the spot, uh, directs what kind of, of content we may explore more than others. Yes, I agree with you, Via, because I like I think it was an issue for the feminist movement for a lot of decades, I can say, when like we have like this white feminism that don't have like any considerations before for the black women's issues. Because you can say like George, you and me we have like you we are in different places in society. And because of this, you are going to we are going to have different issues. This this doesn't mean she this don't doesn't mean that we can like one like white woman white woman white women sorry suffer more or black women suffer more. No, but we need to see the issues for each group and make these like these problems not like separate us, but make us like still together to fight for, for a cause, something related to this, you know? You can like make the difference again, an issue between groups, minority groups. With all these discussions about female authorship, like more female authors gain space in the academic and in, in the academic work, in the academic place and in society too, that George can make like these reflections about how it's like it's strange to see a just man, he see the example of Flaubert, of, of Flaubert talking about women. And you can see like, for example, Bia, that because you saw, you you said about like a Nigerian woman that is Shimamanda that occupies before like a, a a space as a minority because she's black and she's from a country that's still being marginalized for the others powerful countries in the world and I'm really happy to see how like changes are happening like all the time small ones but it's still it's still happen. So, and because of that, I like to ask you guys 
about your experience of more like contemporary writers, female writers? Because before, I think in the other episodes, you talk about different centuries. Now I can like to see a little bit more of your experience of female contemporary writers. Girl, now you really got me in your question because um, I've, I have been noticing that I I'm kind of stuck in the 19th century when it comes to literature. Even a professor of ours, he used to say this to me, George, get out of the 19th century. Because, okay, uh, at least from, uh, let me see, uh, two years ago, you know, from up to now, I've been uh, trying to read more contemporary writers, especially women. And I think I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been uh, successfully accomplishing that for the moment. But yeah, uh, I think that my experience reading contemporary writers is not that vast, not that wide, actually, because I read a lot of uh, old books. Because I do like the Victorian age, the Victorian era, so I read a lot of 19th century novels. But okay, uh, when it comes to contemporary writers, I think that. Uh, a very nice and touching experience that I had was reading Conceição Evaristo, and I have already mentioned this in another epi in other episodes that we've recorded, but also Shimamanda, be it mentioned Shimamanda, and I, I enjoyed reading her novel Americana and her, her short story book, her short stories book. Let me see what else... Um, Let me see. I don't recall now. Okay, uh, I have. We have. I have read uh, Deborah Gil Pantaleon, which is a Brazilian contemporary contemporary author, and she is from Paraíba, our motherland in Brazil, our st the state in which we all live. I've been trying to change to. Uh, I've been trying to read more different authors, especially women. Uh, but even though most of the women that I read, that I've been reading, they're not from the 21st century. So I'm still, I'm still in depth with this, with my readings of uh, contemporary female authors. And you, Anna? You have to go back to the future, Jorge. <laughs> If you had a time machine... I loved it! <laughs> If you had a time machine, certainly you would be in the 19th century, having tea with Oscar Wilde, for sure. Uh, in my situation, uh, female authors that are contemporary, basically, again, uh, oh, you know, apart from Shimamanda, which is the, the one that I most uh, quote here in our episodes, in our latest episodes, I also, I've been reading um, Alice Walker, I've read her three or four years ago, The Color Purple, and it was very interesting. I, um, what else? I also read in the undergraduation course, in our uh, literature courses, a very interesting one called Sandra Cisneros, I think I've already mentioned her here, and in her case, I think she's Mexican, 
and her her work that I've read is called The House on Mango Street and it's like a it it has a, a an autobiography flow even though I don't know if it's really about her but it's about a little girl that is an immigrant in the United States she moved there with her family and the book is it has a a diary aspect you know it's like she a confidential aspect she talks about she tells us about her life from the like the uh, nine years old ten years old until she's nearly 20 years old it's interesting and very poetic even though it's a narrative and also I've read okay Shimamanda again I've known her I have my own the Brazilian ones I've already mentioned here Clarice Ligia Fagundes which were the ones the ones that we dedicated the last episode and what else well I have a journalist that I like very much and she um, she has many prizes she she has won many prizes in Brazil famous ones of writing and she she's her name is Daniela Arbex she wrote o Holocausto Brasileiro she's a journalist so so she's not a literary author but I like her writing as well and I like very much the journalists in Brazil we, we have many um, well-known or important journalists in Brazil that has many many historical um, works that contribute a lot to, to our historic cultural trajectory in Brazil she is one of them and I like her very much but it's basically this Paulinha I, I'm in the same place as Jorge I know one author that someone mentioned I get interested on her and I go and read her but for example I have to admit that I don't know any oriental any any western authors for example I know one but she's not exactly a western author that is Rupi Rupi sorry Rupi Kaur she's a, a poet but she's she lives in Canada she's a descendant from Indian Indian her parents are Indian so she, it's not exactly about the literature in the western country and in, in the western countries or cultures so I think in this aspect as a woman I think I have a lot to grow yeah I, I have a lot to grow to, to read to get to know because we know that unfortunately we still have different realities being a woman in Brazil is not the same being a woman in China for example we are equal in in the sense that we are both women but the reality that we live influences on our rights on our behavior on everything that we are apart from being women and also because we are women so it's kind of 
I think it's a. I'm, I am always curious about these literatures, even though I didn't have the chance yet to read them. Okay, guys. So, but I, I, I'm going to say that I'm the same page as you two because, like, I read a lot of female works. But as Georgia, I still a lot of time in the 19th century. And I think it's okay. It's no problem. It's great. You need to recognize like the female can of that time. I think the problem is when we stay just there in that century, you don't move forward. But I think it's okay, Georgia. For me, I, I really like them. The brothers are like awesome. But like as you see, I, I I read too some of these authors that you that you mentioned. I love Constance Like I really like her works. I cry a lot when I read these. But I like to cry too because it's some is like it's something like it's very painful. Her poetry and her prose, her novels, like just perfect to me. I I really like Clarice Lispector too, Anna. And like for me, Clarice is like from time. Sometimes I can understand something and sometimes not, but it's okay because I'm just reading for pleasure and I still like it. It's a great work and I'm not like it's perfect, just this. And I really love, as I said before, Shimamanda and they and has a, um, a new writing that I'm, as I, I'm trying to like in the last month, I think. Uh, reading more contemporary authors just because as I said before I read a lot of female authors from the 19th century. Talking about these contemporary writers, the one that I got to know in these quarantine times it was the, Niger the Nigerian writer Bocha Mancheta that like she, for me it's like I as Anna said that she, she did before when she started to reading someone's works I do do a little research about like the who is this person and I've gotten really a lot curious about the story of Bosha Mancheta because she has a lot of she had a lot of difficulties to get her works published and she was too an immigrant an immigrant woman because she was born in Ibuza, Nigeria, but she moved to London. And in London she tried like to raise her child her child her children and works like still she still like she tried to write to write her novels and all of this. And she has a lot of works published published in our days. And the one that like the one that I read and the mo that I now have a really special place in my heart at this moment is the joys of motherhood. That, as you see, is I is an ironic title, because like in this romance, in sorry, correct, in this novel, she she like talking when she has is a kind of a Beatles Roman novel because we can see like the protagonist Nuego trying to survive in society because she's like a really good woman she does everything right but she can't she couldn't have a baby a baby boy that's important to say because in that contest for a woman be considered a good woman and a good wife she need to have sons not actually just daughters she need to have sons to be because the sons is the one that can make the, the father pride and make like the, ma the mother happy about something. 
and she can't have any baby. And because of that, she need to marriage to go to marriage a second time. And in this second marriage, she managed to have like I think like three sons and four daughters. But she is still not being a good wife because when the kids grow, they do whatever they want to do because it's their lives, yes. Yeah. And because of this, the her husband and I think her like her social group, her family, is still like blaming her because of this, because of the 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 kids' behavior. So it was, and I think it's one is make this this novel so special to me because I can make a lot of relations with Nuego experiences and like my some the experiences of the women that I know like around me. And nowadays I can say that this novel have a really a really special place for, for in my heart. Okay, Joyce, and you, I think, you, did you have any contemporary writers that you want to share with us? Yeah, Paula, I have a writer that I'd like to mention. Her name is Débora Gil Pantaleão. Uh, she's a, a writer who lives here in Paraíba. She's from our state. And I uh, read her, a book by her for the first time two years ago. Uh, it was her short stories book, Uma da, Nenhuma Vez Uma Voz Humana. And uh, I've just finished reading her first novel. It's been, it's been just published. Uh, it's from the end of the last year. And the, the title is Uma das Coisas. Uh, in English, something like uh, One of the Things. Uh, and the, I think that the, the plot of this novel somehow mirrors or reflects of, of what you said, Paula, in the sense that it's possible to trace reflections and connections to, to, the, to the women in our families of our daily lives. For example, in this, the plot of Deborah's novel revolves around the story of Nina, Nina is a teenager who is finishing high school, who is in high school, and she has to write a novel as an assignment of the Portuguese teacher. So the Portuguese teacher asks the students to write a novel. And uh, the story that she's writing, the protagonist, the, the story that she's writing is the story of her grandmother. And it's very interesting how uh, the, the author, Deborah, she writes she, uh, the form that she chooses to write the, the chapters of the grandmother. Because it's like this. One chapter is Nina telling the story. So you have her writing, uh, the, her issues, the, her daily life, her life. And on the following chapter always alternating chapters, we have the voice of her grandmother. And it's interesting because in these chapters that the grandmother speaks, she tells her story herself. Uh, they don't have punctuation and they are very oral. So we have a very strong presence of oral, uh, of orality, of the way we speak here in our state. 
So it's very regional. It's somehow regionalist in this sense. The way she speaks is perfectly portrayed. It's perfectly written uh, in the chapters in which her grandmother speaks. So I think that it's very interesting the story of her grandmother because it makes us reflect and connect to the story of the women in our family, especially old women, older women, who had uh, probably a lot more struggles than uh, our generation now. Uh, and I think that the themes, the themes and the topics that Deborah addresses in her novel are very relevant nowadays. Uh, first, because she portrays these the, the social uh, portraits of, of families from the inland of the state. She, uh, she also, uh, that there is also an indigenous character from Bahia da Traição. So it, it is very Paraíba situated. All the, the setting of the novel is here in Paraíba. There is also criticism to the, to the government, our uh, current government, there are LGBT, character, LGBT characters, so even the protagonist, uh, she's, I, I think she's lesbian or bisexual, I'm not sure, no, I can't recall exactly, and it's very natural, so for example, her mother, when Nina uh, tells her mother that she's hanging out with a, with a friend of hers, her mother simply doesn't fight this, fight it back. So there is this naturalization of same-sex relationships. There is also um, mention and criticism on sexual abuse within families, especially when we, we have, uh, especially concerning this patriarchal arrangement that we have here in our country, which is rather strong. So yeah, I think that Deborah, Deborah's first novel portrays a lot of relevant issues that we, we are still struggling and dealing with nowadays uh, in a very light and straightforward manner. It's a very straightforward novel, but it's very, it's also very poetic at times. And at least for me, what really caught my attention is this place that she creates for the voice of women. So, all the characters are women, and I think that it's very important and it's very relevant the fact that she uh, that she managed to put the voice of the grandmother of the protagonist. She has her own space in the novel, alternating chapters. So she's telling her story to Nina, and Nina is writing her story uh, to be, to make it become a novel. So I think that her first novel is very worth reading, and it must be must be spread, of course, uh, especially because uh, she's a she's a woman, right? And she's Brazilian, and she's from our state. It's interesting how we discussed a lot about different authors along this uh, trilogy, Frozen Flowers. And one thing that Paula said in the beginning of this episode was the lack 
of female heritage that a certain groups group of women or uh, women academics noticed in the middle of the 20th century and how it's urgent for us to have this or to create this female heritage and we we have um, a very clear path that was mentioned in this trilogy that only proves how recent is the female authorship from on, on our first episode for example on the first part we talked about this starting in the late of the the 18th century with Mary Wollstonecraft of course uh, she was not the first female writer to to have a um, a place in this precarious um, place but it's the first one that that had an, a certain impact because it was at the same time kind of a literature uh, it was also a historical document because she mentioned for the first time uh, in the modern age at least how uh, urgent it was for women to have at least some rights that men had at that time and how important is education for women and that, that it, it's it's basically this it seems like we created an arch from the first part until now the third part since Georgie uh, talked about his latest experience which is a very local very regional author that we have here in Paraíba Deborah, she's not only a writer, she's a professor, she's a um, researcher also. She is cur currently doing things about creative writing, she's offering um, courses about creative writing. So she's not only writing about fiction, she's living fiction and she's um provoking this on her students also i have a very dear friend that presented me deborah through a work that he he made in the end of a creative writing course with her so she she has a very active role in in the writing scenario at least here in Paraibo, I, can, I don't know if I can say national scenario, but at least here, very local, regional scenario, she, yes, she has a, a very active participation. But what do you guys think that the female, where do you think the, the female authorship is going? Because uh, we talked about what women talked about in the 19th century literature, what women, or at least the most representative ones, talked about in the 20th century. And we also talked about here, uh, about what, what are the main topics of the end of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century. But you guys, what do you think it's going to happen? We are passing through many significant changes 
social changes what do you think what do you think it's going to happen in from now on for example oh i have a life i have a lot of high hopes relating to this because as you said like Marriott Stonecraft is not the first woman to write in the history but like after her like she has like more like a proto feminism style there but because of all this oppress that you call like in the patriarchal society you have a lot of women that couldn't write at that time and now i'm very happy because in this patriarchal table women don't want to take a place in the table they just pick some hammer and break the table and create their own table and start to write about this. And they are not looking like seeking for approval about the writing. They are just writing in their own style. So I think in like in our days, the female authorship don't be more like just be based on revisionism or like it's because of this that I'm against the idea of feminine writing. And I, I, I agree with the female authorship because women don't, don't have like, have a lot of realities as we said in all this episode. So each woman we are going to write in their own way and they, ha and they are not like seeking for approval anymore. They are, they are just writing and working. And the most important thing is, that we call like nowadays, you can say we have a lot of sorority relate to this because we are going we are we are giving a lot of support to our sisters like this thing like call sisterhood too so i think it's really important and i think that's it i agree with paula and uh i think that it is important for us to look at uh female authorship and to value it nowadays and not to wait for the future looking back to the past to give value to it because we know that uh, sometimes authors they're not valued uh, properly recognized uh, when they are writing at that at that present time at that current time that they are writing publishing but only when the only when the criticism the academic criticism gives uh, gives it some visibility that it's uh, valued or, or recognized. So I think that uh, I agree with you, Paula, that, that female authorship uh, is, it is evolving in the sense of visibility. And because women are writing more and they have now a much more place to speak, to speak up their voices, to write what they want to. And I think that at least for me, that's my point of view, that we, we must seek ways to, to, uh, to, keep a, to keep ourselves updated also on these writings so that we recognize them nowadays when they are being currently written. Because we know that sometimes, or almost always, uh, the literary historiography is unfair. It is unfair especially to women and to other minorities. And I think, yeah, George, I agree with you. And I think because of that, we need, like, as Bia said, and I commented before, that we need, like, in the last century, this, this like, this movement called revisionist, historical literary revisionism. Because we need, like, 
just we I think like the female authors are seeking for some female heritage to get to know like our mothers in literature in writing something related to this and I think it was a really important movement at that time and now as you said we are, we are moving forward I think like the sky's the limit to us to all human beings women still being and I believe that in all the all the novels seated here we can say from our analysis that they have a certain political commitment. I'm not saying that the authors put this on purpose. I'm not reducing their works to that, okay? But when we look at when we look at these novels, it is impossible not to see how powerful these works are as they connect us with with realities, in some cases so distant, making our reflections echoing in our realities, okay? Because we see how powerful this thing, like about sorority, sisterhood, and I think like empathy, of course, is a, a really important human emotion, is make us to understand like these female authors. So guys, I think that here we, we build like a really great discussion about all these topics because I think that it was like a really diverse discussions about all, a lot of different authors, female authors in the contemporary times. And I think it was a great experience for me as a human being and as a professional too. Because we, we, we brought like a, a lot of topics relate to the difficulties that women need to still uh, struggle in our society. And I think that's it. And I'm really happy to be invited by you to participate in this Lee Trilogy. And I hope that everyone that hears this, this podcast, have a good experience too. This was the third and last part of our Lee Trilogy Frozen Flowers called Which Paths is Female Authorship Walking to? We'd like to thank our friend and guest, Ana Paula, for accepting the invitation to join us for this episode. We are so happy to have you. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at lit.podcast to know more about our projects. See you all on the next Lit Trilogies episode.